Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. This is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsborough, Oregon. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the church. But first, we want to let you know, oh, did I do it wrong? I did it wrong, didn't I? No, you I? did great. Go All ahead. Right, keep going. Let okay. them know what we got now. Let them know what we got. Okay, we um, have uh, put up a website, www satisfiedinchrist.life. Did you forget our website I as did. you were saying I, it? I almost said WWWF. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch that as a kid. Uh, never did. So, uh, hey, make sure you go to .life, not .com. It's brand new. We're excited about it. Uh, we'll be updating it with whatever resources we mention here on the web, on this podcast. Uh, they'll also be published on, uh, on the website. So whatever books we say, we'll have links there so you can find them. Um, yeah, we're excited about it. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are going to talk about the church. Uh, first, we talked about what is the gospel. Now we're going to ask the question, what is the church? So Nick and I are going to talk a little bit, and then we actually have a guest here with us, and we'll introduce him in just a moment. So Nick, what is the church? That's such a big question. I mean, we can go... I, I just been, I've been reading 1 Corinthians just in my, my, my own personal quiet time. And I just read through 1 Corinthians 12 yesterday, just looking at how we are the body of Christ. Christ is our head, and the church is made up of, of just all the people, of the body, uh, uh, all the believers in Christ that we come together, and we all form different parts of the body. And we're all necessary, and we all operate for the benefit of building each other up for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, so I, I guess that's what hits me first. But then I, I start thinking, you know, we're, we're the bride of Christ, too, and we're preaching in Revelation right now. So I keep thinking, you know, how Revelation 19, where the bride comes, <clears throat> and we have that, that wedding feast with Christ. So... Those are a couple things that just hit me right away. What about you? What, what, where do you go? We're in the book of John, and so I just preached in John 2, which is the wedding feast, right, where Jesus turns water into wine. And, That's good. And, and that points to that specific feast that you're talking about, that where we are the bride, yeah. right? And it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, um, despising the shame uh, our shame that was placed on him to purchase us, to cleanse us, to make us his church, his body, his bride. And it's, it's relational. It's relational yeah. between, between us, between man and God, but also between each other. So part of the church, part of being the church is interacting with, is being in relationship with, is being close to, it's getting to know, it's loving, it's serving, it's forgiving. It's actually even forgiving each other within the body uh, because we sin against each other. That's part of being the church. And so I, a conversation, and maybe we'll have this conversation later. is Like is, another podcast? Like another podcast is can you be, can you be a Christian and not be part of the church. Yeah, we're going to save that one for later because that, that, that's going to take us on a whole... That's, that's a big one right But that's there. a big question. And a yeah. lot of people face that. Totally. Um, yep. But, you know, I, coming back just to the church, I, I love... I just turned first Pe- or, yeah, first Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like, I love that. It shows that 
the shows that the church is, is not just a person, but it's a community of people. It's a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. And we have a purpose. We proclaim the excellencies of God in Christ Jesus. And he has called us out of darkness. We're into his marvelous light. We share in his glory. And so, I mean, we, we could turn to probably every single book in the Bible and talk about the church. Uh, it, it's all about how God saves the people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just what a church looks like. Yeah. Uh, what happens inside the church. I'm thinking of uh, the spiritual gifts, right, in Corinthians. I'm thinking of Ephesians 4 uh, with different gifts and, and what body life together looks like. But we're not going there now. Nope. We're going to introduce our guest. Would you like to introduce him or do you I, want me I would love to Shembo for it? No, no, I just, I just want to take it. Okay, go. Uh, so we have uh, Chris Gorman, who is with us today. He has been a church planter in South Dakota, and you were a pastor there for 17 years in Sioux Falls. Is that right? Would you say Sioux Falls? Yeah, yeah. Close enough? Yeah, Sioux Falls. Yeah. And then he is now uh, the NAB Northwest Regional Minister, which is a big title, and it basically means he helps oversee and equip and encourage uh, all the churches in the Northwest region of the NAB. Is that close enough? Yep. And uh, on top of that, he is an elder in, in my church over at Timberline Baptist Church. He is a blessing to our family. Uh, he has been with us now for two years. Yep. And he's actually preaching for me this the next two weeks, so I have to be very careful what I say right now, uh, because he now will have the pulpit and will probably get back at me. Uh, but Chris is a guy, he loves the church. You can't be with him uh, for long without him telling you how much he loves the church, how much he loves God. He loves the glory of God, loves talking about his passion uh, for seeing other people come to know Jesus. And so, uh, and you spend a lot of time with churches. Yes. And so I think it's going to be amazing just having him on. Uh, on this podcast. And Bobby, you probably got a few things you well, want to say. I was, I was just going to say that would be a great first question, which I think we should be, all of us should be able to answer every church member, but also every pastor is Chris, why do you love the church? I mean, put simply, um, when, when it's talked about to the elders, I think in Hebrews, it says that, um, uh, no, in, I'm sorry, in first Peter five, where he calls the elders to shepherd the church. And it says, it talks about the church as the people purchased by Jesus's blood. And, and so uh, when we think about the church, that is the people uh, who've been redeemed, uh, who are saved, who gather in local places all, all over the globe, um, we're talking about the people whom Jesus has died for, given up his own life for. And I'm like, how how do we how do we not hmm. also have a sense of of in a sense of awe and respect and gratefulness uh, and and just a, a sense of uh, I think carefulness uh, in one sense of how we speak of Jesus's church whom he died for um, I think that puts a little bit of weight to how we ought to see the church but not only that that um, he died for them he redeemed them he gathers them into local places but the reality is. They're also the people who are sent out. The church yeah. is the hope of the world in the sense that we are the ones called to take the gospel to all the nations. That's good. That's good. And so you have a, a really just special and unique position up here in the NAB Northwest. You, you travel 
Uh, you're in Oregon, you're in Washington, you're in Montana, the Western half, you are in Idaho, uh, now looking over at Utah, and you're always visiting churches, you're always talking to pastors, you're always helping uh, resource, solve problems. Um, can you can you kind of explain your role just a little bit? Like, like what, help help us, help whoever is listening, just to better understand, like, how how pivotal your role really is in just the resourcing and encouraging of pastors and churches? Well, first of all, I would say that in one sense, uh, the most important role I have is just coming alongside and encouraging pastors, like being a pastor to pastors, um, caring for them, encouraging them, sometimes being a sounding board for them is probably the, the, most, important, the most important thing um, that I do. And uh, so that, that's the first thing. But uh, besides that, my job simply is to go in and pray with the pastors, the leaders, and to discern and ask questions and come alongside them and help resource them with what they need to be effective at making disciples. And so I, it's not about me. I don't, I don't have some grand expertise. Uh, I, I literally come in and I really believe my biggest job is to discern what, what, does, what do you need? You know, Bobby, what does Hope Fellowship need? Nick, what does Timberline Baptist Church need? How can I serve the church well and, and resource the church well with what you need to be effective at making disciples in your communities and around the globe? And so that's in a nutshell. I don't know how specific you want me to get in more than that. But. Well, and I can comment on that. And as, as can you, um, just as someone who, who planted as well, uh, but also coming from an association where we weren't sent out or resourced. And had we been, had we stayed with that association, there, it, it would have been more of a, hey, uh, go do what you're going to do. And when you kind of get things together, then we'll come and we'll come alongside you and we'll yeah. claim you. That's what that felt like. Uh, whereas uh, from, from the get-go, once we met Chris... Uh, it, Chris was offering to resource us before we associated. <laughs> I don't know if you can still do that, but that's part of what attracted us to NAB. Really, it was a relationship with Chris. It was it was the fact that they were willing to come alongside to resource um, and and were committed to the success, not just of the church plan, but of the of, of me being a healthy pastor, having a healthy family, having healthy ministry. But I think that I think that's. Something that just is very, um, I don't want to just say unique, but it's something that you're passionate about. You're passionate about pastors, about the church. And so I, I don't ever get the feeling that, Chris, you you just want to see NAB Northwest grow. You would just want to see the church grow. Yeah. And if that's NAB, great. But if that's other denominations, great. If they want to you know, partner in and be with our uh, denomination, awesome. But, it, but you helping Bobby before he's even a part of NAB, that's so you. Um, and I just think that that's amazing. I think that goes to your passion for the church. I mean, even you were just saying you, you got a speaking engagement coming up in a week or two where you're actually going to be speaking to a group of pastors who some of them are part of NAB, but some of them aren't. But your passion is for, for seeing the church grow in its love and just glorify God. I, I, think, uh, I think one of the, one of the more important things that actually I think many churches and pastors are thinking about nowadays more than ever is, is to network, to connect with, with I, I guess I look for faithfulness. Yeah. When I find uh, men and women who are faithful to the gospel, and when I run into a pastor and he, he is 
faithful to the gospel. I see, um, I see something in him that goes, you know, that's, that's a person that I want to partner with. I see what God's doing in their life. Uh, for me, anyway, that's where I get excited. And I go, I, I want to somehow figure out how I can invest in that person. And, and so that's, that's why we're even in Utah. You know, honestly, the Utah, uh, we're looking at planning a church in Utah, possibly. But it's simply to go, there's, there's faith, there's a person there, there's people there who are faithfully seeking God in terms of planning a church. And I, I see something in them that goes, hey, I, I want to invest in, in that kind of, those kind of people, in that kind of a leader. Um, and so part of my job is just simply to discern that and, and really just come alongside and go, man, this is a person. I don't want to let them go. I, I want to make sure they're supported, encouraged, equipped. But I also think that it's, um, it does go beyond NAB. We need to think, uh, we need to partner with, with like-minded, gospel-centered, you know, Bible-saturated, you know, missionary-minded uh, churches of all sorts. Uh, to, we, need to, we need to partner together if we're really going to reach this culture. Those are easy to find because they have a lot of hyphens in their description. <laughs> yes, Christ right. hyphen centered, mission slash minded. Or a lot of John Piper books in, John their, Piper uh, books. in their <laughs> shelves. Yeah, there we go. Hey, so if I can ask another question. So you're in the Northwest. You've been here now for two years. Uh, you're, you're constantly talking to churches. You're, you're always with pastors. You're, you've even been reading a book uh, that's really focusing on the culture up here in the Northwest. Uh, can you help us? What have you learned about church in the Northwest over the last, you know, uh, last couple of years? Um, what, what's unique? What's, what's hard? What's special? Give us a glimpse of just the, the churches in the Northwest. What does it look like? Well, first of all, I'm not from here, so I've had to do some cultural discernment and and thinking. I'm, I'm I grew up in Kansas on a farm. Um, I planted a church in the Midwest in a small town, um, and so to come to and live 50 miles uh, outside of Seattle, um, very different culture for me. But uh, um, and there there are big differences, but I think in reality, what I am finding is that. Uh, ministry's ministry. People need the gospel, whether they're in the Midwest or they're in the middle of Seattle. Um, the things that we have to discern is the context, and we we have to discern where the starting point is at with people. Mm. And and so that's been an important thing. Like where, like when we like like a missionary thinks, a missionary goes into a culture and discerns the language. Um, the behaviors, the lifestyle, the, the types of thinking uh, that they have in order to know, like, where do I start in terms of presenting the gospel? And so I've had to learn uh, that. That's a whole different thing here. Um, so I would say, I guess you asked, like, what are some of the things I've learned? Um, I, think, uh, I think here, maybe even versus the Midwest, uh, many people in the Midwest believe that they already are Christian, they would all, and they're pretty proud of that and even defensive about it. So when you share the gospel with someone in the Midwest, you, um, they would kind of be a little bit puzzled as to why you're doing that and might mm. even be offended by that. Um, whereas in the Northwest, um, people are proud of the fact that they have nothing to do with Christianity and have nothing to do with God or at least the God that we would proclaim. And so, but they're very spiritual, but they have nothing to do with that. Like they're, and they're proud of that. So now do you find that they're against 
like the gospel or they, they don't want to hear it or they're just proud of where they're at, but they're still open to learning and growing and hearing more. I'm sure there are people that are, obviously there are people that are against it. Um, I frankly have not ran into very many people who are not open to talking about it, hmm. more open actually than the Midwest. Wait, um, can you say that again? I would say they're more open to talking about the gospel than in the Midwest. Because I don't think people think that here in the Northwest. But that, that's pretty interesting. Just as you, as you talk, you see, we're very open to talking about the gospel. In fact, people who have no knowledge really of the church or the Bible, they're not offended usually. And in fact, they're willing to engage. That's interesting that yeah. you've even noticed that just in a couple of years here. And I think a little bit is because there's, no, there's not as much pretense here. Like when you, when you have a lot of, when you, when you, there's a lot of assumptions in the Midwest of, of people's spirituality and their faith. And here, when, when in a sense... There's, there's no pretense. All the, all the assumptions are out the window. In fact, the assumption is, is the opposite. That's right. The assumption is the cultural norm is, um, is an a-religious society. Or if, if you're religious, well, that's good for you. Um, but it's, it's pretty um, agnostic slash atheist uh, yeah. even. It's, it's the, the, more, the more you get into the city, the more that, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, but even in the last, I would say this, I've noticed a shift even in the last year or two where I'm seeing many more both aggressive atheists. Um, uh, but here's the other thing. I think when people truly come into contact with someone who has gospel life in them, gospel flavor to them, gospel aroma to them, they're willing to have a conversation so the conversation's willing to be had, um, but there is no pre uh, the context of church here. There are both millennials and their children who have never been to church, and they have no idea what goes on inside yeah, these four don't walls. Even know, uh, don't even know who Jesus is. I've ran into more people here that I, I mean, it's blown me away. In the Midwest, yeah, everybody knows about Jesus, but. Literally here, there are people I've run into that don't have any idea. They know that there's a Jesus. They've heard of that, obviously, but they don't. They have no idea about like a biblical idea well, anywhere close to what who Jesus is. Well, and the Bible used to be a context for which literature and and uh, idioms. You know, like we, we would talk about Jonah and the flood, or we would talk about you know phrases that would come from biblical literature. Those. Those fly over people's heads now. Yeah, there's, I, there's no context. I was giving you an example. I'm on, I'm on a train uh, here, just not very long ago, and I'm sitting beside somebody, and whom I have no idea who he is, uh, ends up being from my town, and he's totally has nothing to do with God. Wait, from your town here? Yeah, from my town, Lacey. Okay, I was just making Washington. sure because sometimes you still refer and, to South from Dakota. From Lacey, Washington, and and we're sitting here talking, and uh, he has he has no connection to God whatsoever um but we talked for the two-hour train ride together almost entirely about the gospel um about what i did for a living he asked me questions but i think that i think one of the things here that that you have to that i've learned anyway is that when you come at things with humility and gentleness Mm. when you're not just like like trying to somehow get my little message out and call somebody to repent. You know, do you believe? Repent. You know, I think of the guys uh, on the street corners, you know, literally speaking the word into microphones. And, and I, 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 frankly, I see here, like, people are very open to talking, especially if you're humble. 
and you start asking questions and you take a genuine interest in them and want to know about them, they take an interest in you and pretty soon we're having a conversation. We literally were engaged fully in a conversation for two hours. Mm-hmm. Almost, I left That's my incredible. luggage on the train as a result. He did. I, did. I picked him up <laughs> and he's been gone to Argentina for like eight days and I pick him up at the train station and he's got this little messenger bag and I'm like, don't you have luggage? And all of a sudden you could see Chris's eyes get big, trains pulling away. Like, well, there it goes. <laughs> I left it there. I, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. But So you said something really good. And, and so I have, I have a question because um, I think you kind of answered it. But being that you have such a, you, you see so many churches in the Northwest, uh, what do members need to know? when they think church, like, like Christians in churches, what do they need to know about this culture? And I think one of them that you just hit on was, was humility. Uh, so maybe if you want either build on that or, or what's another thing also that, that we as members of churches that, that we need to be encouraged with, that we, we need to know if we're going to continue to share the yeah. gospel. I, I think, and I think this is happening in our churches, actually. I think a lot of churches are thinking this way. One of the things is I don't, I think we've complicated what it means to live the Christian life. We've complicated it too much. Like, um, that no matter who you are sitting in a congregation, uh, whether you're a banker, whether you're a store clerk, whether you're um, uh, managing whatever, uh, whatever, whatever station of life, Paul says this in Corinthians 7, whatever station of life you find yourself in, remain there with God. Like Paul's simply saying, hey, if, if you're a store clerk and you come to Jesus, um, you don't have to like, the radical Christian life is to be a store clerk mm. with God. That's what it means to live radically. Mm. It's, not, it's not difficult in that sense. Like God puts us in places, and I'm just learning this afresh, I feel like, in my life right now, like because I've started praying more about this. And daily, constantly, God keeps putting me in places, in situations where I naturally have a moment where I get to be salt and light to people mm-hmm. around me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Have, it's not some big. I'm not standing up on a podium preaching mm-hmm. on the street corner. I'm literally in moments with people, like on the train, in the Walmart parking lot, um, dealing with somebody who's just lost a loved one. Um, all these kind of situations, God puts us in places. If 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 we just. And, and he's with us. Like, mm-hmm. God is with us. It's not, and I say not complicated. Sin and people's lives and our own lives are complicated. But living the Christian life is not. Like, I think we've complicated it. We've, we've made it. There's so much of these layers of things that we apply. And I think God is really just calling us to be a people who understand that everywhere I go, the presence of God is there. Mm-hmm. He's with me, and he's working through me in all kinds of ways uh, every single day. Where two or more are gathered. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that soon. Um, But, you know, to build on what you just said, because you said a word earlier, faithful. And so to maybe condense that, God calls us just to be faithful where we're at. And here in the Northwest, that doesn't mean that we, we have to now become something incredibly new. In Christ, we're new, but now he's going to use that new identity we have in Christ to, whether we're a store clerk or a manager somewhere or driving a bus or whatever it is, but to be faithful there and to take opportunities to, to be a light. 
Yeah, I think, uh, think about in your churches, um, this is something I'm noticing, like, who do we celebrate in our churches? What do we celebrate? We, we often put up front and have testimonies from what we have missionaries. Um, we have, uh, you know, people who are in full-time ministry of some sort. Like, those are the people that we celebrate. We go, man, that's amazing. Like, that person went to Africa. That's incredible. We don't often bring up front the person who last week went to work, was sitting in her cubicle, took a risk to talk to the person who was crying in the mm-hmm. cubicle beside her mm-hmm. and found out that this person was struggling with their marriage falling apart, prayed with that person, and now they're in a yeah. relationship where they're able to encourage. That's, like, we don't see that as this heroic, radical Christian life, but that's, yeah. it's all of that. It's both the missionary, the pastor, and every We're all called to live out this life. I think we who are in ministry can should relate to that. Uh, it, it's funny, I had a conversation with... Um, with a guy and, and his wife not too long ago, and, and she's a guitar player, and, and she just wonderfully, just in a very open and, and honest way, said, yeah, I was a guitar player, and I, when I was 19, I wasn't famous, so I quit. Um, you, you know? <laughs> and, and, which I think is... That's amazing. Is, 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 was, was my thinking, too, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I went yeah. to a school for a semester thinking I'd go there. Um, I'd be there a semester... Uh, and and had these grand desires of of fame, right? And and I think sometimes we do that in the church too. We we have these desires of being, uh, and 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 I think it's good to want to be influential. Don't get me wrong. I I, I don't um, condemn godly ambition, but I would say that often our hearts need to be reshaped to understand that gospel faithfulness. Um, has everything to do with God working through us with how he's already gifted and skilled us and where he's put us than it does us necessarily going and doing something different that yeah. draws a lot of attention. Um, and yeah. I'll, I'll throw this out and then it'll be done. Um, my wife taught me that passion, passion isn't loud. Passion isn't always what's up front. Passion is what happens behind the closet door when you pray or at home yeah. in your bedroom when 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 you're alone with yourself and uh, passion happens in the self-discipline and the things that you do uh, and, yeah. and that really honor God it's not necessarily what's up front and I would say um, some of the things that I'm seeing in the churches just to give a little bigger answer to our discussion is that um, I think I think the churches are more and more, at least the ones that I'm caring for and, and overseeing and, and just trying to come alongside, like they're asking the right kinds of questions these days a lot more than ever. Like the, they're having the, the, I think, the heart of Paul where he, what is it that kept Paul a, awake at night in First Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 3? Paul says he's concerned that he preached the gospel in vain, mm. meaning that that the people in Thessalonica whom he had shared the gospel with and taught them the whole counsel of God's word in a very short period of time, he's concerned that they're not remaining faithful and progressing in their faith. Mm -hmm. And I do hear from pastors and elders much more of a desire to look at the people that God has entrusted to them, not just in the church and then also in the community they're, they're in, and go, how are these people progressing and growing in their faith? How are they growing in relationship to each other? What is the temperature amongst us 
Um, and I think a trend, I think, and this is a Northwest thing, uh, people in the Northwest have a real desire to belong. I mean, mm. a real desire to belong. There's, there's, it's a very a highly in educated and individualistic society. Everybody has a bandwagon. Everybody has a thing. We're all doing our own stuff. We're our own unique person. And you say, well, that's true across the country, and it is uh, in different ways. But what here, it really there's a stands out to it. And and I think, uh, but people really have a desire to belong. So I, I'm reading. I read a book here recently. And it's it's incredible talking about over the last 20 years in Seattle church plants, uh, just looking at the different churches that have made a, an impact on the culture and is actually still really making traction of reaching people genuinely with the gospel. Ironically, uh, I found that his study found that about 68% of the churches that are actually really making an impact on the Seattle culture are, are conservative, uh, complementarian churches, evangelical churches, and one of the one of the hallmarks was uh, regular weekly communion, huh. and that became this. Uh, it's become this this place because people have a sense when they come to the table that they belong. Mm. Wow. They belong yeah. to a family. They belong yeah. to a body. And I think I think that's something we need to take serious, like mm. helping people understand that this this understanding what it means to be the body of Christ, to be a family together. Giving that's that's countercultural around here, you know. Um, and people want to belong. They want to have a sense that they, that they belong to something. And that's, that's the gospel, right? God brings us into a family, adopts us in. We're all have an inheritance uh, one day. I mean, that, that's, that's the church, cared for by shepherds, gospels proclaimed, celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism, and send people out on mission to live out their daily lives in every place that they go all throughout the week. You know, to jump on... To kind of spring off what you're saying, you said humility, uh, faithfulness. Um, you know, be be where you're at, um, but then be excited about the church. Yeah, I mean, if and I think it's true everywhere, but especially here in the Northwest, like you're saying, people want to belong. I think as members of the church, how do we talk about the church? Are we excited about the yeah. church when someone says, "What'd you do this weekend?" Well, you know, I. I, you know, worked in my garden, but do we say, man, we're with the church. Are we excited? We talk about our, our small groups or we call them table groups. And do we, do we, how do we talk about the church? So maybe that's something that we just need to think about a little bit more. I, I'm even kind of just encouraged, slightly convicted, maybe like when I'm talking to other people about the church, am I helping them see that this is a community that's really different than any other community here on earth. Cause I mean, we're a community formed by the, by the gospel yeah. and we have Christ in us, his yeah. spirit working in us that we would love in a way that you don't find this yeah. love anywhere else. And so man, maybe, maybe one thing that what we need to do. And, and if you're listening, just be thinking, how are we talking about the church? Are yeah. we excited? Do our, do our neighbors who know, they see that we get up every Sunday morning and we go to church. Yeah. Do they know that we're excited? Do we communicate that passion? What do we actually, um, when we talk about the church in our local churches, our local congregations, when we talk about the church, what is the thing that dominates the conversation? That says more about, mm. about your local church than anything. If the conversation is constantly about, you know, did we, did we fix the roof? Did we get the yeah. door to stop creaking? Uh, how are we going to take care of this program? How are we going to do that program? Not that any of those things don't matter. We need right. roofs that don't leak. Yeah. We need doors that shut and open. We, those things are important, <laughs> yeah. but 
But I think I think when you're looking at when you're looking at what somebody is going to see when they become a part of this family, what what do they what would they identify as? This is this is who we are. Yeah. This is what dominates the conversation, um, and it's it's not all these physical kind of corporate things, but it's it's relationship. Yeah. It's it's us. We. Well, I think we we have to be especially as. Um, I mean, I, I would call myself a conservative evangelical, and those are curse words. <laughs> those are curse words in, in the Northwest. Northwest, um, even to my family, those are curse words. So, so who we have to be, you know, as spirit indwelled people. I mean, we are overcoming um, a cultural mindset that wouldn't look at what we do and who we are as a church as something to be celebrated or something to take joy in. Uh, I mean, in fact, they would even say, or some would say that, that, that we're backwards. Um, so, so it's, I, I think, uh, just on the basis of like, how, how do we share Christ too is a big part. I mean, we, we ought to be people who have joy. Just yeah. in and of who we are, because because of what God has done, the church should be one of the most joyous groups of people. And not that we're trying to be joyous; like we're not putting on a mask. No, it, it doesn't need, like, but, it's, but we can it's have who genuine, we are. Yeah, and and we should yeah. we should be people of genuine joy, even in sorrow, like even in when when the world throws the worst at you, when when friends die, when families die, when cancer comes, when. How do we still have joy in the midst of that? And like the church is part of that. I mean, that, that's yeah. our comfort. That's our support. Um, uh, that is, uh, it is our joy. And here's, here's what's great. I, we, we started service off this week with this statement. Do you realize that you are part of an unstoppable force? Do you realize when Jesus told Peter Right, and I'm saying it's his confession because we're Protestant, not Catholic. But Peter's <laughs> confession that Jesus is the Christ, Matthew 16, Matthew 16, and on this rock, meaning the confession, I will build my church, right, and the gates of hell shall not what they shall not prevail against us. Yeah, which means we, the church, are moving forward. We, the church, are taking ground. We, the church, are a battle force that's moving out into the community, and so that's that's part of what I think should be exciting for us and that we should be yeah and we should have joy over that yeah. well totally i mean we're we're in revelation right now and in john in revelation 1 9 john says that you know he is a brother and partner in the kingdom and the tribulation and so the, the way we live here um or he characterizes it uh, our life here on earth as a tribulation it, it is it is difficult. There is affliction. There is suffering that's going to happen. Uh, but then he goes on into chapters two and three, and he talks about how we conquer and how we can persevere. And then he goes on, and actually, this is what Chris is preaching uh, these next couple of weeks. He's preaching uh, Revelation four and five, where we have this vision of our God who rules. So while it looks like chaos here, we press on because when we have heaven's perspective, He's in complete and absolute power and control. The son is with him on the throne. He has conquered. Uh, he has a redeemed people whom he has ransomed um, through his death and resurrection. I mean, there's so much joy that's given, which when we think about why can the church persevere? Because of who our God is, because of what he's done, yes. because he does rule, because he gives us every yeah. everything we need by his grace to continue to stand firm in this world so that 
So the gates of hell will not prevail. They will. It'll look like they do, but from heaven's perspective, they will never prevail. And that Amen. is good news. Yeah, it's a, I, I think that's probably um, to get to another kind of thing that I see in the church that I think is really important, is, is especially amongst leaders, and I think this is going to seep down into our people more and more, is that abiding in Christ, like what, like really focusing on really being a people who abide in Christ. Like we, we, we need to be like knowing who our God is in this culture of total chaos. Like there's a lot of upheaval, right? The news is crazy. Every, every day there's breaking news. Every, every moment there's a new protest. There's a new, this There's a new that. And these things are important. They're mad. They matter. We need to take them serious. But as Christians, uh, Peter would tell us in First Peter chapter 2, we ought not respond to the things going on around us the same way the world responds. Yeah. Yes. We ought to be the ones who are at peace because we have a God who rules. We're the ones who are to, to be the agents of calm. Like we, We're the ones who do have joy. In the midst of total chaos, we can yeah. be joyful, not, not in a fake way, but genuinely at mm-hmm. rest and, and joyful yeah. and therefore be the level-headed ones in a sense in the culture of chaos. You know, I was just having a conversation last night. I know we're, we're coming up on time here. Uh, the, the question was, especially as you engage with people here in the Northwest, how do we as Christians engage in these spiritual conversations when we are being attacked, when the church is being attacked, when the church is looked at as oppressive um, uh, and, and called as much? Uh, even by, here's, get this, even by evangelical or formerly evangelical Leaders, pastors, yeah, uh, leaders in the church. Um, yeah. How how do we respond? And and I think it's it part of. And again, this is probably a future discussion. Um, but but I think exactly that is, is is remaining in Christ, remaining calm, remembering that He He has all power, all might, all authority uh, in the heavens and the earth. Uh, should give us nothing but confidence as we calmly talk, as we have a uh, a discussion where we get to display grace, where we get to display truth, because we are the church and we are representing the church to people in the world. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, just to, I know we're running up on time, but I think that um, another question that could be a whole other podcast would be to say. So how are we preparing our people Mm -hmm. to engage Mm -hmm. the culture in a loving, humble way uh, in order for the gospel to go forward? How how are we actually equipping them? Because if you don't... uh, I was thinking about this, like, we live in a very highly educated part of the country, more than any other place in the country. I mean, Seattle has the highest amount of bachelor degrees of any other city in the country. It's crazy. Mm. Um, and so when you have people who are very educated and yet very, like, like if you're going to have conversations with them, you need to be grounded and rooted. You need to have intelligent conversations. I have people constantly will say things about, well, why, how do we even know that the Bible is true? Like, we don't even know. It's just these stories. And so I think one of the key things is to become very good at fleshing out what people actually believe. Yeah. Instead of being quick to first, I'm going to yeah. give them the truth here. 
be like, well, why do you think that? Like getting them, like being good at asking questions, mm-hmm. draw them out, mm-hmm. help them wrestle. And I feel like when I when I've done that, even with this guy on the train, like it it actually led to conversations where he was then willing to listen to, well, here's what I, you know, here's what I think, you know, and, and share with him. Uh, so, it, yeah, being willing to draw people out, being patient and humble. Well, I, I was going to say that's exactly where that conversation went last night, uh, w- which was, okay, how, how can you prepare us as a church to have these conversations? Because we're, we're confronted with this ideology, and we don't know how specifically to converse with these ideas because in the past, all sharing my faith meant was telling about my personal testimony. Now, personal testimony is still strong and powerful, and it still should be used. But how do we as pastors equip the church for engaging in these conversations? And, and that's where I would go to. Well, you begin with questions. Yeah. You yeah. begin with questions. So we do need to probably wrap it up. We're, we're well, we need to. I, I think... I think that would be a good future podcast on, okay, we, we answered a little bit, you know, what, what do we as members need to know? And, and we talked about uh, humility, faithfulness, being excited about the church. And I think even as, as, as members, we need to be engaging with questions. When, when, when we're being, you know, asked questions or we feel like maybe sometimes we're being attacked, I think a lot of times their person is just passionate or maybe it's just coming across the wrong way. But then how do we not try to turn the conversation around, but we want to understand where is this person coming from? What is their true question that underlies mm-hmm. what all these other questions are? And Chris, you do that a really good job. In fact, we've met before and you've walked me through on how to ask other people questions. But I think you're right. It's an art that we really need to recover and we need to, in a sense, master of how do we just ask questions? We don't have to have all the answers. We can always come back with answers, but how do we let people know we hear them and, and let them know we want to engage them, we value them, and then, uh, and then what are the questions uh, that they really have? So I, I, think, I think those are really good. I think we need to really then tackle on a future one. So as, as a pastor, what are some things that we really need to be aware of here in the Northwest? And I, I think that would be very valuable. And I think that would be a way for members of churches who are listening to this podcast to think through, how do we pray for our church? How do we pray for our pastor this way? But I would say this, in the things that we've mentioned here just about the church, pray for them about your own life. Pray that you're willing to engage. Pray that you'll be humble when you talk. Pray that you'll be excited about the church. Pray that you'll be faithful just where you're at. If God takes you into the mission field or takes you into seminary and you become a pastor someday or whatever the future holds, that's great. But where are you at now? Be faithful there because if he is going to use you somewhere else, it'll be only because you're faithful where you're at now. Um, So you brought a lot of good stuff, man. Hey, can we throw one more question at you, then we'll wrap up? Yep. What is the most exciting thing you've seen regarding the church in the Northwest? Oh, you can go ahead and talk about Timberline Baptist Church if you want. <laughs> Hope Fellowship can be high on your list, too. <laughs> oh, man, the most exciting maybe, thing. Maybe in general. To see, Leave us out of it. To see churches planted, you know, ranks. I mean, just to see new churches unfold like Hope Fellowship, um, that, that's, that's really uh, exciting. And are you seeing more of that? Um, yeah, I'm seeing more conversation and more people. To see um, churches who have like men in their church who are feeling called to be pastors, who are, are we have 
number of them being trained right mm-hmm. now, which which for the future is exciting to see what God's going to do as, as they get sent out and trained up and sent out. Um, but in, in light of all that, that's amazing stuff. I'm excited. There's people being people trusting in Christ, being baptized in our churches. That's exciting when I get to be a part of those things. But beyond that, um, honestly, I feel like the most significant thing that's going to have a huge impact is that for the most part, our churches are, are, are beginning to ask the right questions. They're, they're, they're becoming far more simple hmm. in the sense of just saying, are we making disciples who make disciples? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I see our churches uh, asking those questions. I see churches that many people would think, oh, that little small church has got like 30 people, 40 people. Um, we would see in our corporate mindset that's not a huge deal. Um, some of those, some of our churches who have 30, 40 people have two or three pastors being trained up in those churches right mm-hmm. now. That's amazing. And I think those are exciting things yeah. to me. Like, it's not about size. You can be 300, you can do that. You can be 30, yeah. and you can do that. You can be <clears throat> 3,000, you can do that. But... I see churches simply going, are we faithful? Are we actually being obedient to the gospel and raising up disciples and sending people out? And I think that's, that's way exciting. Hey, Nick, in, in about 30 to 45 seconds, what's the most exciting thing that you've seen regarding the church? Man, I only got that much time. Uh, okay, a minute. You know, I, I think... What I see in our own church, just there, I see a hunger to engage more. We're seeing people want to really share the gospel with other people. I'm seeing the on Sunday mornings, or I get text messages throughout the week, we're seeing more and more people desire it. I mean, really just wrestling with, man, how do I share the gospel? Or I'll have people come tell me, man, I think I, think I blew it. I, I totally had an opportunity and I didn't, I didn't share, but I love the fact that they're aware of that and they're wanting that they're seeing that and I'm hearing that more in some other churches. And a lot of that I hear from, from Chris here, cause we, we spend quite a bit of time together and he's always sharing about what God's doing in the church. And so a lot of my understanding about other churches in Northwest comes from him. And so what I have heard is, is what he's already said is that man, the church, the church is up here are really desiring to proclaim the gospel. They're, they're willing to, to shed weight of, of other things that, that maybe, you know, used to be valued, but, but for some reason, whatever, they're just not working now. They're not effective as making disciples. So churches are willing to say, okay, let's not do that. Let's do what's most important. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty exciting. Awesome. What about you? Yeah, I would say, I want to say something locally here about us and then something in general, uh, and I'm specifically NAB. Um, uh, what we're finding here and what I'm hearing here from our people is, is well, I'm just seeing the gospel reshape culture. Uh, I'm seeing people come and say, man, I, um, uh, I'm learning the word in a way I haven't learned it before. I'm hearing things differently now. Uh, so God is doing something here within us, which is wonderful. Uh, it feels like a different church here a year later than it did it's when good. we first came in. And 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 what's neat is we had a you know we had a visiting couple, and I knew them. They're already part of a local body, uh, but they came here and they visited. And and I asked them. I said, "Man, just don't pull any punches. Tell me, tell me what you see. I want to hear everything." Uh, he said, Bobby, man, we felt greeted. We felt loved. Man, uh, the word was preached. The music was, was uh, led us to Jesus. Um, uh, we were greeted afterwards. We were talked to. People engaged in conversation. You know what? If we would have come here two years ago and come to this church and then go to the church we were now, we are now, we would, we would be here. 
because we didn't receive that kind of warmth and welcome and stuff. So God is doing stuff here, which is great, uh, which obviously we rejoice in, right? Uh, the other pieces, I love what's happening in the NAB, uh, and, and uh, both with relationships here, you know, with, with, with you, Nick, and with Chris, but also other pastors. I'm talking to Chris Garrison. I'm, uh, we're pulling in guys, uh, uh, talking to Jeremy, talking to other, other men, too, who are faithful men, who love the word, who preach the word, uh, and, and seeing God just, I, I see God doing stuff with our group, not just within an NAB2, but also locally here between me and other faithful pastors here in Hillsborough, which is neat. Yeah. It's just, it's really neat and to what's see. In, and what's incredible is, I mean, you guys don't do anything amazing here. No. I mean, we don't. We're, you guys preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. But, but there's no, there's no smoke. No smoke detectors. No smoke machines up here. We have smoke detectors, Hopefully you have smoke detectors. Yeah, we just got But those. I mean, you, you guys preach the gospel. You love one another. Yep. And, and you care for each other. And I think sometimes we just try to complicate it. Uh, so I'd encourage you, if you're listening, uh, yeah. start there. Just love people. Yeah. Love people. Share the gospel with people. Study the Bible with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about how many programs you have and all those kind of things. It's just, are, like, like Chris said, are we faithful? And we know in God's word, it's, it's all about his word and then living out the realities of his word, living out the truth that his, his son is in us. The spirit is loving through us. We have his peace. I mean, uh, we keep going on, but yeah, it's exciting. Um, Hey, we want to say, are we done? Yeah, no, I'm done. So <laughs> why don't you give them our website? Because yes. I feel like you're wanting to that's, do that. And I'm super going. excited about yes. it. But I think then, Chris, yes. uh, I think you should pray. And I think, if you don't mind, pray for the churches in this Northwest that we would continue yeah. to to grow and to be faithful. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, we want to say thank you for being with us today. Uh, you can find us at www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That's L-I-F-E, life. Hey, Chris. As, wait, is there another way to spell life? Uh, L-Y-F-E? No, no. All right, Chris, I'm a creative pray, speller. Pray, pray, Chris, pray. We need help. Father, um, thank you for your church, your bride, whom you have purchased by the blood of your own son. God, we, we pray for this bride. We pray for your church in the world right now all over this globe, God, right here in Hillsboro, uh, but all over the world, God, we pray for your bride to be faithful and to be fruitful. God, would you please work mightily um, here in the Northwest, in all the churches here, uh, God, not just NAB, but all faithful gospel preaching churches, God, would you would you allow them uh, to be fruitful in the proclamation of the gospel as they live it out every single day in their lives, in their homes, um, in their workplaces, at the gym, at sporting events, at coaching, teaching, everywhere that they are. God, would you cause uh, our lives to be fruitful, cause us to be aware of the fact that everywhere we go, you are with us. You are working in us and you're working through us that people would come to see and know Jesus and to know of his grace and his mercy, that he lived a life that we could not live. He died a death we could not die, and that he was raised to newness of life from the dead, and that every one of us, God, who believe in him have eternal life. And God, 
I pray that every person in the Northwest would know that. And God, we know that the means of that message going forward is through your church. And so strengthen, encourage, and bless your church today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Satisfied in Christ. All of our links and resources can be found at the website satisfiedinchrist.life.